school classrooms this morning, and then let's get into it this morning. I'm glad you're here today. I know some of you, it was tough to get out of bed. It was tough. That hour came, that, 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 that spring and forward business came around quick this morning. To me, I had the opposite problem. I went to bed extra early and then all night long was thinking about the hour I was going to lose. And so I never slept the whole night long. Uh, so I'm glad this day is come and gone and, uh, and we, we don't have to deal again with this for another year. Can we please vote to get rid of daylight savings time, please? Please. Amen. All right. Good to have everyone here this morning. A couple quick announcements. Our conference, if you don't know already, our conference is right around the corner, March 25th through the 27th. We're calling it our Perceive It Conference. It's our annual vision conference for our church. Uh, excited about our guest speakers. We have with us Mike Maiden. Uh, he's from Church for the Nations in Phoenix, Arizona. We also have, uh, coming from all the way from the United Kingdom, John Norman. Uh, he is a dynamic speaker. Uh, both of them have sent books for us. Uh, that we'll be able to have available at the conference. It's going to be a great time. And so hopefully you've, you've, you've marked that off in your calendar and you said, you know what, I'm not letting anything stop me from, from being at all six sessions. We have six sessions beginning Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. It's going to be a fantastic time. Uh, make sure that you are there. Also coming up, we talked about last week, Pastor Carl introduced to everyone our, our Heart for the House Big Give offering, that is happening on April 3rd. And that's, that's the opportunity that we will have as a congregation to come together, to give generously, to sacrifice, to fund the, the vision of our house. I have a heart for this house. I'm grateful for this church. I know many of you are grateful for this house and grateful for this church. And, and this is the one offering we, we, we receive per year that funds the, the, the vision of this house and takes care of some of the business that needs to be taken care of uh, for our congregation here locally. And uh, I pray that you're, you're, you're planning on that, you're praying about that, uh, you're, you're talking about that with your, with your family, and together I think we come together and sacrifice and give to the Lord. The Bible says where, wherever there's unity, God commands a blessing. We believe blessing's gonna follow when we, when we obey what God says. So that's coming up April 3rd. And then we have uh, the Easter prelude. We have all all the, the, the events we have going on, the different outreach events happening after that, uh, our, our Good Friday worship night in the amphitheater where we're going to gather and receive communion and we're going to worship under the stars. It's going to be amazing. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, uh, we come into the house of the Lord. We're believing for salvations. That's what we're believing for. We're believing the, for the unchurched to be in church on Easter Sunday and we're going to present a gospel message and we're going to see people give their lives to Christ. And then the very next week, we're going to baptize them. It's going to be amazing, all right? And so that's our plan. Uh, and hopefully you're, you're a part of it and around for all of it. Amen. This morning, uh, I want to continue on as, uh, as we move along in our theme, Perceive It. Uh, last week we talked, we, I preached a message called The Church. And uh, if you didn't hear that message uh, live and in person, I'm not going to recap that, but it is available on our YouTube channel or on our podcast. You can listen to that message and catch yourself up. Uh, I believe it was an important message for, for us and for where we're headed, and so, so, so make sure you grab a hold of that. Uh, this morning, I want to kind of continue that, that, that kind of theme, and I want to talk about sometimes there's things that are hidden in life, even though they're staring at you right in the face. Like, I ever noticed that? Sometimes you, there could be something in plain view, we just can't see it. If you're a man, you really understand this, right? Because how many times do we ask our wives, have you seen my keys? Have you seen my wallet? And all the while, we know they moved it. Like, we, we just know, I, every time I'm missing something that's personal to me, I just know that Carrie has taken that, that piece, that belonging of mine, she's moved it where I've set it, and now I can't find it. It was just like this morning, happened this morning. I was, we're getting ready, we're trying to get out the, out the door for church, and I'm half in a bag because I didn't sleep very well last night, and, and I, I can't find my wallet anywhere, you know, and I'm like, man, I can't find my wallet, looking around for it, uh, you know, it's not on my dresser, not on my nightstand, uh, it's not in my pants from yesterday. These are all the places I would normally keep my wallet, and it's not, not in any of those places, and so I'm like, Carrie, where's my wallet? And uh, she, she said, I don't know, where did you put it? Well, thankfully, I have a thing called Tile where it tells me where my stuff is. just kind of beeps it. So I go on my phone, open up the app, hit, hit the button, and all of a sudden, I hear it dinging. It's, and it was walk around, and you'll find it, getting closer, getting closer. Beep, beep. I'm hearing this beep, and I'm like, babe, where is it? It's, it's not under, there's nowhere. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it beep, and, and Carrie's like, it's, it's on you. And I'm like, 
It's right here. It's in my pocket. <laughs> how did I miss it? But that's how things happen. Like sometimes we miss things even though they're st- staring us right in the face. And so this morning, I want to, as that as a background, I want to, I want to, I want to tell, I want to talk about uh, a message that Jesus preached out of the book of Matthew. Now, the book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and it's written by a guy by the name of Matthew. And Matthew was was a despised guy. Most people didn't like him, and the reason is is because he works for the first century version of, of the IRS, all right? He's a tax collector. So the way you feel about tax collectors now is the way they felt about tax collectors then, all right? Tax collectors were known for ripping people off and stretching the legal code in order to get as much money out of you as they possibly could. And so one of the biggest complaints about Jesus is that he eats with tax collectors, So apparently, if you were a tax collector, no one was inviting you over for dinner, all right? No one wanted to spend any time with you. These were despised, uh, um, horrible people, all right? And so so Jesus takes people like Matthew, all right, a tax collector, and he's eating with him. He's in fellowship with Matthew. Now, here's the thing that's really crazy is he also takes zealots like James and John and Peter, and he also eats with them. He actually takes Matthew, a tax collector, and all these anti-government people like Peter, James, and John, and he puts them all at the same table and, and eats with them, all right? He brings them together, and, 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 which tells us it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you're on, Jesus will still eat dinner with you. He'll still hang out with you. He'll bring you together at his table. But what's, what's interesting is that these men, they followed Jesus for three and a half years. And, and, and we know that their lives become so transformed by the time, um, from the time that they spent with Jesus that, that after three and a half years, they're not known by their former identities at all. No one even recognizes them as tax collectors or fishermen or, or any of those things. They now are, were only known as disciples of Christ. And, and I, what I think about that is it's amazing that, that how often Jesus changes people's names. Like he changes their names and then he changes their character. And, and, and this, is, this is what he's done with us. He's, he says, this is what I call you. And then he begins to work on our character till we become what, what he's called us. That's how Jesus has worked with you and I. He calls us righteous even though we're not. Come on, guys. Are you with me today? Come on. Spring forward with me this morning. Come on. He, he calls you generous even though you're not. All right? He calls you kind even though you're not most of the time. He calls you healthy even though you're far from it. He calls you functional even though you live in dysfunction. Jesus gives you a new name, and then by his spirit, he helps you grow into that new identity. Are you, is, is that true for your life today? So Jesus takes his disciples, guys like Matthew, who are known for, for ripping people off and tax collecting, and he says, you know what, Matthew? As a byproduct of following me, you're going to grow into a new identity. You're going to become what I've declared you to be. So we see this over and over again. So, so in the book of Matthew... Matthew records the longest sermon that Jesus ever preaches. And you would know it as as the Sermon on the Mount. And this should give a lot of preachers pause because the longest sermon Jesus ever preaches is in three chapters. And and so he wasn't a long-winded preacher by any, any stretch of the imagination. But you can look at these three chapters and they're so rich. Like when you're reading the Sermon on the Mount, you, you're, what you're reading is is Jesus explaining how the kingdom of God works, what it's like in heaven. He's trying to show you this is how you can experience this on earth. In in the Sermon on the Mount, this is where Jesus shares with his disciples the Lord's Prayer. It's where he begins to un, 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 uh, unpack the Beatitudes, where blessed are you when, and, and he begins to share those things. He, he, he begins to talk about the, the backwards way that the kingdom works, that in order to be first, you have to be last. In order to be rich, you, you, you have to become poor. And, and so there's this, uh, this wealth of, 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 of so much uh, foundational uh, um, biblical kingdom principles that Jesus unpacks in this one sermon. But smack dab in the middle of his sermon is chapter 6. Now what you need to know about Matthew is this. If you're a part of a Bible reading plan, you read it every single year. 
you read Matthew like out the gate. And so every one of us, we always make these, these, these commitments that we're gonna, we're gonna read the whole Bible this year. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna complete it. And so the beginning of the, of the year, it's great because you're reading Matthew, you're reading Genesis, you're reading the beginning of Psalms and the beginning of Proverbs, everything is amazing. Until you get to about February, mid-February, now you're in Leviticus. And that's when you know, they're, they're boiling goats in their mother's milk and doing all this weird stuff and everybody quits, okay? But everyone at least reads Matthew. And so I've read Matthew chapter 6. I, I can't tell you how many times I've read it. And there's some things that, 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 that Jesus says in there. There's nuances to what Jesus says that I've missed. I've seen it so, I've read it so many times. But I believe that if we can kind of look at what Jesus is saying, perceive what he is saying, what he's communicating, I believe he's giving us supernatural keys for our church and for your life in this season. Sometimes it's hard to perceive something even if it's slapping you right in the face. But I believe if we can perceive it, God can move us from dysfunctional to functional. He can, he can take us from waiting for breakthrough to experiencing breakthrough. I believe God wants to present his church opportunities to move into his divine plan, his divine, divine purpose that God has for his people in this hour. Do you believe that? Yeah, that's awesome. I believe God's interested in doing some work on this earth. Even right now, he's interested in doing work in your life. He's interested in using your sphere of influence, your family, your workplace. And, and, and I believe God has called us more than to, to, than to just being saved. Just kind of showing up to church and ignorant of what's happening around us, the season that we find ourselves in. But the Bible talks about a group of people in the Old Testament. They were known as the sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar, the Bible says, they knew the times and the seasons of their anointing. I don't know about you, that's the kind of people I want to be. I don't want to just live a saved life and just go to church and be blessed. That's not what I'm looking for. I want to understand the season that God's placed me in. That I'm here on purpose, for a reason, for such a time as this. And when the world is, is going, going, going all over the place in chaos, I believe God's placed us and positioned us right here, right now, for this hour. We are those people and that church. I'm going to say that again, all right? We always get accused of this. People always say, oh, that's those people and that church. You're darn right that's who we are. We are those people. We are radical believers that want an encounter with God, that, that just have enough faith to believe that God can use us even in these dark times, that we can be a light to the world. We need to be those people and that church in this hour. Somebody shout amen. Come on, everybody shout amen. All right, so you have in front of you, you have some, some note-taking ability, all right? We've given you pens, and we've also given you papers, all right? And uh, we're taking you back to school. We're going to learn a little bit today, if that's all right with you, all right? And so I want to read, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1. Are you ready? This is a sermon on the mountain. This is the middle of Jesus' sermon. And he says this. He says, be careful. He's warning us not to practice your righteousness in front of others just to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Verse two, he says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. All right, I wanna bring your attention back to what Jesus said in verse number two. He says this, he says, when you Give. Write that down, point number one, when you give. Some of you are already tensing up. I can feel it in the, in the air, all right? You're already getting nervous, all right? Jesus does not say, if you give. That's not what he says. Now, a lot of times you're reading through this, and that's what you kind of think he says. But he says, when you give. In other words, the expectation that Jesus has for his followers is that they're givers, Hello, anyone perceiving this this morning? He doesn't say if you give, he says when you give. The first key that Jesus is giving to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see is that when you give, when you give, you move under a window of open blessing from God. Now, so here's the expectation that Jesus is communicating. Jesus is communicating that his followers are consistent, generous 
givers. So please don't be offended by what I'm about to say next. I'll give when I feel led is, 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 the, is the doctrine of people who never give. I'll give when I have money or is the doctrine of people that, that never give. Here's what happens. As soon as the pastor starts talking about money on a Sunday, everybody starts getting defensive in their own minds. Everybody starts kind of putting up walls because, and the reason is, is because there's been so much bad teaching when it comes to finances in the church. The reason is, is because there's so much abuse that's been documented of finances in the church. We've seen, the, we've seen money misused by people in the church so many times that all of a sudden, now we have this hesitancy when it comes to talking about a biblical principle in the present. So we're taking information from the past and, it's, it's, and allowing it to direct how we, how, we, how, we, how we listen to God's word in, in the present. Here's the problem with that. Are you with me today? The problem is, if we, if we didn't talk about any scriptures that have been misinterpreted, if we didn't talk about scriptures that were abused in some way in the, the history of the church, there wouldn't be a whole lot to talk about. Because literally every scripture has been preached bad behind a pulpit at some point. And so if we allowed that to steer what we talked about at church, we'd never have anything to talk about. Are you with me today? So if we allow the abuse of others to keep us silent on things that matter, we're doing a disservice to the people around us. We're doing a disservice to ourselves. We have to allow the Bible to speak truth. Amen, all right? We have to allow the Bible to speak clear. And the Bible is clear when it comes to, to giving. Jesus says, when you give, the expectation he's communicating is that we are givers. Here's the, here's the reality we need to understand. God is the author of resource. Resource isn't from your job. It, it's not from a source, it's from, it's from God. God is the source. He is the author of all resource. And God is inviting you, he's inviting me to partner together with him in the supernatural spiritual act of generosity. He's inviting us in and when you enter that partnership, when you come under that partnership, you position your life for a blessing. We're not talking about karma. It's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about what goes around, comes around. No, we're talking about the blueprint of God's word. It's the law of sowing and reaping. When you give, it's given back to you. It's sowing and reaping. As we sow seed into good soil, we reap, we reap a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. That's God's word. King David said it like this in Psalm 37. He says, I was young and now I'm old. What's he saying? He's saying, I've got a lot of experience. I've seen a lot of things in my life. He says, I've, I was young and now I'm old, but God's people are never forsaken and the righteous never go hungry. David understood something. He'd seen everything. He'd seen, he'd seen times of flourishing, and he's also seen times of lack. He'd been through inflation and high gas prices and soaring grocery prices. He's been through it, and yet he says, I'm young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God's people going, going hungry. Now, it doesn't mean we don't go through hard times. It just means that our source is not, is not from hard times. Our source is from God, who's, who's, who, has, who doesn't participate in hard times. Heaven doesn't know lack. Are you with me today? God doesn't understand lack. It's not in his vocabulary. And, and, and so the Bible says in Malachi chapter three, and I wanna challenge you with this this morning. It says, will, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me and ask, how are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and offerings, and you're under a curse, you're a whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and test me, says God, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says God, and all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says God. Now, what, I, what I, I want to show you something in this text is that generosity is not just about your personal blessing. Generosity is not only affecting you. If we believe what God's word says, 
The Bible says you've robbed me in tithes and offerings, and in fact, you're under a curse. And then it says this, your whole nation. How many recognize our nation is kind of struggling right now? Is there any correlation to the struggle we're experiencing as a nation and the greed that's grabbed a hold of society? Is there any chance that maybe this is playing a part? Listen, generosity is about the blessing of the nation or the group that you're a part of. When we're generous, God, God brings generosity back on us. Generosity is like that pebble that you, that you throw it into the water and it creates a ripple effect. Are you with me today? When you trust God with the little that you have, God in turn trusts you with the abundance that he has. It's a ripple effect. As we signal to God, God, you can trust me. I'll be a good steward over the limited resources that you've given me. What that does, it positions me under an open heaven of unlimited abundance. Giving is the key that opens a floodgate of blessing in your life. I hope you understand that today. It's not only a key that opens, it's also a key that closes. If you saw in Malachi in verse 11, God says, I'm gonna prevent pests from devouring your crops. And so what that says is that my giving doesn't just open up doors for new resources, but my giving also closes the door on the devourer trying to rob what I already got. You won't know what your giving has prevented. A lot of times we talk about, you know, if I give, God's going to give me more. But you don't know what your giving has prevented. While everyone else is under the curse, you're getting a blessing. While the financial systems of the, the nation are collapsing, somehow the church manages to get by. Somehow the church manages to advance. While everyone else is losing their mind, somehow the people of God aren't fretting at all. Because we know where our help comes from. It doesn't come from the government or a handout or a stimulus. It comes from God. While everyone else is building their house on a sand, we put our house on a firm foundation, trusting God as the author of our resource. Amen. How could it be? in the time of, uh, of economic uncertainty that the people of God rise up. How amazing is it that when everyone else is crying foul, the people of God are standing strong and, and, and flourishing. How does that happen? When you plant your seed in the house of the Lord, God closes the door on the devourer and opens up the door of abundance in your life. And so while the whole world is talking about inflation, and rising costs, and soaring gas prices. We don't get caught up in those conversations. You're like, we don't? <laughs> I have, you're saying, I have. Listen, we don't get caught up in those conversations because the only inflation that we need to experience is his favor in our lives. Come on, what's rising up around here is not the cost of groceries, it's God's people. God's people are rising up. What's soaring is not gas prices, it's his presence. Come on, it's soaring into our lives. And you may say, that sounds a lot like name it and claim it, television evangelism, all that stuff. I heard that on TV. Well, maybe, but I've read it in scripture. Like, it's, it, it is straight from God's word. It's right there staring you right in the face. And I'm sorry if you've experienced bad teaching on giving in the past, but don't allow bad teaching to cause you to walk in disobedience to what God has for your life. That's like saying, I, I was hurt in church. I can never go back. Come on, come on. You, you, you don't get to decide that. You don't get to say, well, I got hurt. Uh, I'm never going back. You, you, because God says, don't, don't forsake the gathering of God's people. You, you, you say, well, I saw a preacher spend, a lot, uh, 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 send, spend someone's offering on a personal jet, so I'm not going to give. And so now you're in disobedience because someone else messed up. That's not, you don't get that. At Elevate Ministries, we operate in supernatural resource. That's how we operate. We have an abundance mindset. We don't believe it's ever running out because it comes from God, who is not the author of lack. He's the author of abundance. And biblical generosity comes from our heart. And guess what? Generosity has no strings attached. So when I give to God, I'm not giving to God because I'm, 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 I'm expecting him to do anything specific. No, I'm generous because I love God and I'm being obedient to his word. I understand when I give, I'm not giving to a person. When I put my offering in the, in the, in the, in the basket, I'm not giving to Pastor Carl. That's not what we're doing here. We're giving to God. 
And so we have to make a decision that my generosity has no strings attached to it because I'm giving to, to God. I'm not giving, my giving is not connected to a tax break. My giving is not connected to a, to a handout from the federal government. I'm gonna be a person that obeys God's word, that walks in generosity, that experiences resource and abundance and wealth in my life because I've been obedient to the word of God. Somebody shout amen. As I think about resources, the other thing that comes to my mind is the other side of the spectrum, is the idea of poverty. It's amazing how many people who live in America, who experience abundance their entire lives, walk around with a mindset of poverty. I've seen it over and over again, and I wanna challenge you this morning, poverty is not linked to how much you make. That's, that's not what it is. Poverty's not whether, you, whether or not you make minimum wage. Like there's no like line that says, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're impoverished if you make under $38,000 a year or whatever they, they, they've, they've come up with. Poverty is not, is not a dollar amount. Poverty is a mindset. It's a mindset that causes you to look at what you have and think, I'll never have enough. That's what poverty is. Poverty says there'll never be enough. That's poverty. So I want to challenge your mindset this morning. A mindset of supernatural resource is so much different than that, and you can see it represented in the conversation that God has with Moses. And you, you know the story. God's called Moses to do what? He's called to be a deliverer. Guess what? So are you. God's called you to be a deliverer. And so God says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And Moses is like, how could I do that? How are they even gonna know that you sent me? How are they gonna know that that I'm actually called to do this. And God says, well, what do you have in your hand? <clears throat> Moses looks at what he has in his hand, and he says, I just have an ordinary staff. And God's like, Moses, that's not an ordinary staff. That's a tool for supernatural resource. It's a tool for the supernatural, which tells me that resource is what's in your hand. Resource looks like what's in your hand. It's not a wooden staff or a dollar amount or a salary increase or a pay increase. What God's put in your hand is a supernatural tool for the kingdom of God. And so regardless of where you work, we are all working in the kingdom. And you're like, wait a second, I don't work for the church. I don't have, I'm not employed by the church. Listen, your job has eternal significance regardless of whether or not you work at the church. Because when I take what I have and I invest it into the kingdom, now what I have is, is, is making, making impact for eternity. I'm working for the kingdom. And you're saying, well, wait a second, I just work at a coffee shop. Yes, but when that coffee shop pays you for your hard work and then you take that seed and you plant it into the kingdom of God, now your coffee shop is making an investment in the kingdom. Are you with me today? It's a tool for supernatural resource. So every one of us here have been given tools with our, with, with, with our resources. God's placed them in your hand and they have, they have the ability to impact the world. When I take what I have and invest it into the kingdom of God, listen, God hasn't called you into full-time ministry. He's called you into full-time Christianity, which means that whatever I'm doing, when I set out to do it, I do it with all I have. I do it as unto the Lord. And so even the money I receive from my carnal job is able to provide seed planted in good soil to reach a harvest for the kingdom of God. Somebody give the Lord some praise for that because that's amazing. Oh, man. Some of you are going to have to play this message back. I'm telling you, you're going to have to play it back. Listen, Matthew 6 doesn't say if you give. It says when you give. It's a key. God's, Jesus is trying to give us a key of how we can experience breakthrough in our life. And the first key, key he says, he says when you give. It's the expectation that Jesus has for his followers. That's the first key. The second key is found in verse 5 where the Bible says, and when you pray. When you pray, some of you are like, oh, I can relax for a minute. He's not talking about money anymore. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Jesus says, when you pray. 
Not, not if you can get around to it or, or if you feel like it or if you have time. Jesus' expectation for his disciples is that they pray. Can I hear somebody say amen? That they pray. Now, I'll be honest with you. The older I've gotten, the shorter my prayers have become. Most of the time, my prayers sound like this. Help me. Pretty much. Now, now when I was younger, I, I, I've, been, I've been around church pretty much my whole life. And I used to be like totally enamored by certain people when they prayed. Because they could string together like some pretty amazing words. And, and they, they could somehow... They could somehow articulate all these words into a prayer, and I, I just was sure that God really listened to them because they were so good at praying. Until I realized that God knows the need that we have before we even ask for it. And so now I, I've kind of resorted to a little bit shorter prayer, like, like, like help me. And you think about Jesus when he taught his disciples to pray. It was a relatively short prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And then he would go on and he'd criticize the, 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 the Sadducees and the Pharisees who would babble on and on and on and use all kinds of repetitive words that make no sense. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, it's not the length of your prayer that matters, it's the sincerity of your prayer that accomplishes much. James 5.16 says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, which means that when I pray... I'm releasing a supernatural word into the atmosphere that does not return void. That when I pray, the Bible says God hears my prayer. He's listening to my prayer. And here's the thing. Even if I don't see my prayer answered in the way I like and the way I want here on this earth, it doesn't mean that when I pray, it wasn't answered there. See, I believe when I pray, it doesn't matter what's happening here. God hears it. He's already responded there. He's responded there. So my hope is not connected to exterior circumstances when I pray. Just think about this. If every time you prayed, you knew your prayer would be answered, just not on your time, but it would be answered, it would be, it would be accomplished it would still be worth it to pray. Even if I never get to see the result of my prayer, it's still worth it to pray if I know God answers it. And so when we think about where we're at at this time in history, we are standing on the shoulders of people who prayed for stuff and never saw it. I think the problem is we're so addicted to outcome. We're so addicted to, to validation that if we don't get an overnight, you know, instantaneous uh, answer, we feel like somehow it's a failure. So if we pray for someone and they don't get healed right away, we feel like somehow, you know, we're not, something's, something's wrong with our relationship with God. But I, I want to tell you this morning, I don't want to be on the right side of history. I want to be on the right side of eternity. All right? And I believe that, that even if I don't see it, I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to pray. I'm going to keep on knocking. I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on seeking. I'm going to keep on believing that one day this thing that I'm praying for, this door that I'm praying for to be opened will, will be opened. So you're sitting in a church this morning that is built on prayer. I remember as a 12-year-old as a kid, when we first opened this church, we were in a small little storefront, you know, 1,700-square-foot building, and, and every single day, my dad would go to the church at 7 in the morning, and he would pray for an hour. And I would go with him. I would go to the, I would go to the church. I didn't go to pray. I went to play. That's what I went to do. I would, while he was in the church praying, I was pretending I was driving his truck in the parking lot. But every once in a while, I would, I, would, I would go in the building and I would, kind of, I would kind of just kind of drop an ear and listen or just kind of sleep on the, on the, on the, on the pew or whatever I did. And, and I, I remember listening to my dad as he would walk through the aisles of our little sanctuary and he would plead with God. He'd walk 
down the aisles and through the chairs and he prayed for salvations and he prayed for disciples and he prayed for marriages and the marriages of people that were in our church. He prayed for people who were addicted to alcohol and to drugs. He prayed for the community. He prayed for specific neighborhoods. He prayed for our city and other cities that God would allow us to be a part of. He prayed for nations and for the ability to go to the other, to, 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 to third world nations to, to preach the gospel. He prayed for mission. He prayed for outpouring. He prayed for, for vision for our church. He prayed for finances, that, that finances would, would come in so we could do what God called us to do. And, and I, remember, I, I remember just watching and listening to him pray, and I believe, I believe today we're, we're actually hearing some of those answers now to prayers that were, were said 30, 35 or longer years ago. If you always knew the answer to your prayer before you prayed it, you would never pray. If you knew when God was gonna answer your prayer, you'd say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not gonna pray. If you always knew what the answer would look like, you would change the way you pray. Because some of us, we say, God, I'll do anything. And it's like God's kinda like, really? You sure? You sure anything? Like, can I quote you on that? Can, I, can, we, can we mark that down? Lord, 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 I, I, I just wanna be used by you. And it's like God's like, uh, you know what that means? You know, are you sure about that? You sure you, you sure you want to pray that? You got to be careful what you pray because God might answer your prayer. Are you with me today? In such a way that you'd say, you know what? I never would have asked for it if I knew this was going to be the way you were going to answer it, God. So that's why it's so important that we pray by faith. Faith says, I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know when it's going to arrive, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. It's a prayer of faith. I'm, I'm going to trust God that you are good even when life isn't. I'm going to choose you even when I don't understand. Jesus doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. The expectation for you as a disciple is that you pray is that you pray. Some of you right now, you need to make a decision that I'm gonna give and I'm gonna pray. That's the expectation from Jesus and I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna adopt that into my life because God's looking for simple obedience. People that will trust him at his word. The best tips for supernatural advancement come from the word of God. It's, it's that simple. Sometimes it's staring us right in the face and we can't even see it. I think this is, Matthew 6 is one of those places. Amen. When you give, when you pray. The third one you find in verse 14. The Bible says this. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so what Jesus just said is he didn't say if people sin against you. That's not what he says. He says when people sin against you. Not if they sin against you, not if they do you wrong, when they get you wrong. What that says to me is this, it says, is this, is that offended, all of us are going to get offended. Offended is an event. It's something that happens, something we all experience. But offense is a spirit. It's something that stays. And what Jesus is trying to communicate to us this morning is that you can be offended without adopting a spirit of offense. I was hoping somebody would say amen to that. In other words, I can be hurt without allowing that hurt to make me a victim. I can be sick without sickness becoming my identity. I, I can walk through life without my circumstances telling me who I am. Jesus is speaking to his followers. He's talking to you and me in Matthew chapter 6. And he, he says this. He doesn't say if people take you off. He doesn't say if people sin against you, if someone hurts you, if someone does you dirty. He says when they do those things. In other words, it's going to happen. And if you forgive when they do that, guess what? Your father will forgive you as well. Here's the truth. Do you know that when you withhold forgiveness from somebody, it prevents you from receiving the grace and mercy that you need in your life? So when you stop forgiving, you stop growing. Somebody needs to hear this today. When you stop forgiving, you stop growing. And so what I want you to understand, and I want you to grab a hold of today, is that life becomes a lot easier when you learn to accept the apology you never received.
I don't need to sit around waiting for your apology in order to forgive you and move on. Did you hear that this morning in this room? Even if you never ask it, ask for it, I'm gonna grant it. I'm gonna give you forgiveness. And I think sometimes our perspective on forgiveness and what it actually is gets a little jacked up. And so I wanna cor correct the narrative that may have gotten inside of your spirit. Forgiveness is not, for, is not permission to allow someone just to come back and waltz back into your life. Forgiveness is not an excuse for you to live without boundaries. Forgiveness is not affirmation of someone's bad behavior that it wasn't that bad to begin with. Forgiveness is me making a choice that I can't allow my life to live under the bondage of what you did to me. And so guess what? I make the decision I'm going to forgive. I can love you at a distance, but I'm going to forgive you. It's not possible to be a follower of Jesus and walk in unforgiveness. Can I hear somebody say amen? amen. And so forgiveness is not saying it's okay. That's not what forgiveness is. What they did to you probably wasn't okay. Forgiveness is saying this, I'm gonna be okay. What you did was not okay, but I'm gonna be okay because I'm looking to him, not to you. I can't allow the baggage from an old season of what was done to me, what was said to me, uh, what, what, what was done uh, against me, I'm not gonna allow that baggage to keep me locked in that season when God's trying to move me to a new season. Jesus is trying to shift me into something new and my unforgiveness is holding me back so I make a decision, not if I forgive, when I forgive. I'm gonna be a person that forgives. So Jesus isn't saying if they sin, he's saying when they sin. This isn't if they let you down, it's when they let you down. It's not if I get it wrong, it's when I get it wrong. It's not, it's not if your spouse irritates you, it's when your spouse irritates you. It's not if, you're, if you want to strangle your kids, it's when you want to strangle your kids. It's not if your neighbor ticks you off, it's when your neighbor ticks you off. Are you with me today? You've gotta make a choice. I'm not gonna, allow, I'm not gonna camp out around somebody's, uh, 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 I'm not gonna camp around a fence. I'm not gonna hang out in a place where I've been offended. I'm gonna forgive and I'm gonna move on. Somebody needs to make that choice today. I'm gonna keep my eyes on Jesus, not on what somebody said or did to me. I love you guys. I love you guys. You guys are, you guys, you guys are a little quiet today. I'm just gonna be honest, you're a little quiet today, but I still love you and I forgive you, all right? Number four, number four. This is the last one. It's the last one today, and you're gonna love this one. Are you guys ready for it? Verse 16, you ready? Put it up there. When you fast, when you fast, do not look somber as hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. But truly, I tell you, they've received their reward. Jesus says, when you fast. I was talking to, I was talking to Ray before, before church this morning, at the 8.30 service, I was talking to Ray, and he said, I just can't seem to lose weight. And I said, I'm gonna give you a supernatural key to that this morning. If you just listen to what God speaks to you, um, you can lose weight. When you fast. Did you hear that, Ray, all the way in the back? When you fast, brother. Now, I generally fast between all of my meals. That's kind of how I do it. I have like a spiritual, like the spiritual gift of doing a 40-day fast in about four hours. All right, that's kind of how I do it. But, but in all seriousness, I think fasting is kind of one of those lost art pieces in, in the church today, right? Fasting is kind of a lost art. So somehow we miss the part about picking up our cross and following Jesus. Like somehow we, we kind of miss that. And so, look, I'm, this is not about giving you some sort of mag magic formula. That if you're looking for breakthrough, that if you fast on Tuesday, you're going to experience that breakthrough by Friday. That's not what this is. What I am saying is that Jesus outlined some ingredients in Matthew chapter six. Most of us spend our entire lives reading the Sermon on the Mount, preaching sermons on the Sermon on the Mount and still don't see it. I don't know how it works, I just know that it does work. That when you make a decision, when you make a commitment for a, a season, or for a moment, for a day, for, for a meal, when you make a decision to put aside what you need in the natural, to pursue what you need in the spiritual, something shifts in your life. Are you here today? 
And I kind of figure that if it was good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for us. Like if, if, if Jesus did it himself, it might be a good idea for us to do it. Now we, we recognize Jesus, I mean, let's be honest, he loved to eat, he was always eating. We read story after story of Jesus fellowshipping, sitting around a table. I talked to you today, he, talked, he, he, he set up a table with Matthew and Peter and James and John and his disciples. There's all kinds of stories of Jesus doing those things. But we also see moments in Christ's life where he put aside those things. He put aside those things that his flesh needed in order to pursue what his spirit craved. And I think if it worked for Jesus, it works for us. That when we fast, something happens in the unseen atmosphere that we're not aware of. So, so I know that Matthew 6 is really basic. It's so basic, I think most people miss it. I think it's so basic that most people don't see it as a supernatural key four supernatural keys to unlock something special in your life. Because here's the thing, generosity is not natural. It's supernatural. Praying is not natural. It's supernatural. Forgiving, it's not natural. It's supernatural. Fasting is not natural. It's supernatural. All of these things that we've talked about this morning, they war against the flesh. Our flesh hates these things. We don't, we don't even want to hear this stuff. It, it's, not, it's not natural. I don't wake up and think to myself, I'm so excited to give. I don't wake up thinking, I can't wait to pray. I, I, don't, I don't wake up saying, man, I can't wait to forgive and to fast today. That's not how it happens to me. Because these things, they war against my flesh. I, I, I hate it. But when I choose obedience over comfort, my life develops. And that's what we're after here. This sermon is not trying to build our prayer meeting. It's not trying to build our financial base. It's not to, trying to get us all happy. We're not, I'm not talking about fasting so you spend less on groceries. That's not what this is about. This is about your life developing into the person God created you to be. It's about your life experiencing breakthrough that God has for your life. God has invited you, Jesus is inviting you into development and guess what? Development costs you. Development is costly. Following Jesus costs you everything. I'm gonna say it again. Following Jesus costs you everything. And so here at this church, we're not inviting you to add Jesus into your already convoluted world. That's not what this is about. I'm not asking you to show up to church when you feel guilty. I'm not asking you to do that. The cost for following Jesus simply put, is laying down your life, all right? It's, it's, it's laying down your prerogative. It's laying down your rights, picking up his cross and following him. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And it's gonna cost you everything. It's gonna war against your flesh. And, and guess what, you're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna feel like you're dying. I feel like I'm dying, when in fact, you actually are. You're dying to yourself. You're dying to your flesh. You're dying to what is old. You're being raised to new life. This is the opportunity of the ages. When you give, when you pray, when you forgive, and when you fast, something happens. It's important, that's why Jesus said, when you do these things, it's an expectation he has for his followers. And God's dealing with you today about it. Some of you right now, God's dealing with you about generosity. It's been so hard for you. And listen, you don't have to give. No, one, no one's counting it. No one's gonna hold it against you. You never gave at church. You're not gonna have that, we're not gonna have that meeting with you. So you don't have to worry about it. That's not what this is about. This is about your life developing. This is about you being obedient to God's word. When you give, Jesus says, it's not a choice that we get to make. It's an expectation God has for your life. When you pray, why do we have prayer meeting? Why do we invite everyone? Why? Because when you pray, your life develops. Your relationship with God develops. When you forgive, we're not, we're, this isn't an option. You don't get to walk into here and bitter, mad, offended because someone said something to you, hurt your feelings, looked at you wrong, didn't call you into 
to get your kid. I mean, when you forgive, Jesus' expectation is that people are going to hurt you. People are going to offend you. People are people. But we're not going to hold it against them and six months later still give them the stink eye. That's not what we do. We forgive. We forgive. We're not waiting for the apology. We're going to forgive before we ever receive it. We're going to forgive and move on. And some of you right now, God's dealing with you. God's dealing with you. Maybe it's a family member that's done you wrong. Somebody in the church, a coworker, a boss. Maybe something that somebody that you don't you haven't seen in 10 years, but you're still bitter and hurt and offended. You carry that spirit of offense with you. Listen, offense is gonna hold you into an old season. God's trying to take you to new and when you forgive, you've got to forgive. You gotta forgive. And when you fast. You know, our our staff, our our team has made the decision over the next couple of weeks, we're we're gonna fast. We're gonna fast and pray. We're gonna, we're gonna believe for this conference. We're believing for breakthrough. So you're gonna, hopefully I look a little skinnier in the next couple of weeks. But, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna withhold something that my, my, my natural, carnal man, my flesh desires, and I'm gonna replace that, not with nothing, I'm gonna replace that with, with, with building a ro- more robust spiritual man. And so maybe that's what God's calling some of you to. And so I gave you those, those, those papers this morning. And they have, each of them have boxes under each category that we talked about today. And I wonder if God isn't dealing with your heart about one of those areas. Maybe more of those areas. Maybe all of those areas. And God's beginning to deal with your heart. I wonder if right now, just in this time, we could just spend a moment. And maybe you could make a commitment to God in that blank box. God, this is what I'm going to do. This is my commitment. Lord, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to become generous. I'm going to work on that area of my life. I'm going to forgive so-and-so for what they did for me, uh, did, did against me. I, I'm not going to wait for an apology. I'm going to I'm going to accept their apology before they even give it. And just maybe you just write that down right there. Maybe you'd make a commitment. I'm going to begin to pray on a regular basis. And maybe the reason you don't pray is because you, you say, well, I don't really know how to do that. I just told you the key. I just, I just simply ask God to help me. There's so many areas of my life where I need his help. And God knows I need his help. And so I say, God, help me. Help me with my finances. Help me with my faith. Help me in my relationships. Lord, help me in these areas where I'm weak. Lord, I, rec- I recognize your grace fills in those gaps and make me strong. Lord, help me. Lord, let your grace overshadow me in every area of my life. Some of you need to begin to pray and allow your spiritual man to develop. It's not easy to develop your spiritual man. God never said it would be. It, it, it wars against you. But I think they're the keys to what God has for our future. In Matthew 16, Jesus says this. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, Jesus is not trying to withhold from you. He's not trying to keep anything away from you. He's actually trying to provide you keys keys to your future, keys to your destiny, keys to the plan and purpose and the power of God for, 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 for our lives at this time. We are those people and that church in this hour. We need the keys. We are those people and that church in this hour. We need the keys. We need the keys for supernatural breakthrough. And I think this is a great starting point today when you give, when you pray, when you forgive, and when you fast. Can we, can we stand and pray today? Come on, all over this room. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Lord, you never, you didn't beat around the bush. Lord, you didn't come to make us comfortable. We recognize that. We, we read your word and we understand that's not, you're not the God of comfort. Lord, what you did, Lord, is you, 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 you're calling us forward. You're calling us out of carnal comfort. You're calling us and inviting us into a war, a war that we win, a war that we experience eternal significance, a war that we celebrate victory for all eternity. I thank you, Lord, that many in this church at this moment are rising up and making decisions and making commitments. Come on, if that's you, we just begin to pray right now. Would you just begin to pray? Maybe just say, help me, God. Lord, help me to be a generous person. Lord, help me to be a generous person, to walk in generosity. 
Lord, that it's an expectation you have for my life as a follower of Christ to be a giver, and that's what I want to become. Lord, I pray, help me to rise up in generosity. If that's you all over this room, lift your hand up. Come on. God wants to give you the gift of generosity. Come on. All over this room. You, you say, you know what? I'll, I'll sow seed into the kingdom, and I, I expect supernatural results. I, I, I want to be a generous person. I don't want to have a, a mindset of lack. I want to have a mindset of abundance. If that's you, God wants to give you that, that gift right now. Come on, all over this room, you say, that's me. I want to be generous. I want to be more generous, if that's you. Say, I want to be more generous. I want to be more giving. I want to be more sacrificial. God, use my life in that way. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, if that's you, lift your hand up all over this room. All over this room. I pray right now, Lord supernatural blessing Lord Lord if we'll be faithful with the little you promised much Lord and I pray right now that you'd overwhelm the generosity in this congregation with more generosity Lord that you trust us Lord as we steward what you've handed us Lord I pray you trust us with more God so we can continue to give and continue to see fruit and continue to see results God in Jesus name position us Lord Lord, position us, God, in Jesus' name, all over this room right now. Some of you say, you know what? I need to increase my prayer life. I need to increase that faith to pray and believe and ask and seek and knock. And that's you. You say, that's me. That's me. I need to ask. I need to ask again and again. And I need to continue to seek and to seek and to seek. I, I, I want to do that. I want to knock. I want to knock. If that's you, all this room, let me see your hand. That's me. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to carve out time in my life. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me. If that's you. Lift your hand high so I can see it. Come on, right now, Lord, I pray for all of these, Lord. And making this decision, Lord, to grab a hold of this spiritual key. Lord, to begin to pray, begin to believe, God, to begin to trust you that what we pray here is answered there. God, we pray here is answered there. We know you hear us, Lord. We know that you answer, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, maybe right now, some of you say, you know what? I, I need to forgive. I've been holding on to bitterness. I've been holding on. Someone's violated me. Someone wronged me. Someone did me dirty. Someone stabbed me in the back, and it's held me back. I recognize today, if I don't forgive, I don't grow. And I need God's help to forgive someone. If that's you, lift your hand up all over this room. I need God's help right there. Come on. Come on. I need God's help. God wants to give you help right now. Come on. That's me. I need God's help to forgive. I can't do it on my own. I need God's help to forgive. Put your hand up nice and high so everyone can see it. I need God's help. If someone around you has their hands up, I want you to go lay hands on them right now. Come on, right, lay hands on them right now. Come on, quickly, quickly, come on, guys. Someone's lit, lit, right, right back there, come on. Lay hands right now, right over here. Lay hands on them right. We're gonna forgive and we're moving on. Come on, come on, we're gonna forgive and we're moving on. Put your hands up, all the way in the back. Jonathan, come on, we're gonna forgive, we're moving on. God's gonna, God's gonna set you free right now. Somebody needs to put their hands on Jonathan right now. In Jesus' name, God. Right now, I pray for Jonathan, Lord. Right now, your, Lord, right now, your supernatural ability to forgive, I pray that it overwhelms Jonathan like you forgave us, Lord. I pray that you give him the ability to forgive others. Come on, if that's you, say, I forgive. Come on, say it out loud. Say, I forgive. I forgive those who wronged me. It wasn't right. It wasn't fair. It wasn't okay. But I'm going to be okay. I'm going to forgive without an apology, God. I'm, I'm going to forgive without an apology. I'm moving on. I'm not staying stuck in a season. I'm moving forward into the new thing you have for my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Somebody pray it out. Say, I forgive. praying already come on guys come on let's forgive let's move on thank you God thank you Lord the last thing we talked about was fasting you're all hoping I was gonna I was gonna end on forgiveness how many of you would say you know what I'm gonna join with with I'm gonna join with the pastoral team here at elevate and sometime over the next two weeks I'm gonna fast a moment a meal several meals, several days, whatever, whatever, whatever God leads you to do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna replace, I'm not just gonna fast for no reason, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna withhold from something that I want, I crave naturally, and I'm gonna use that time to pursue something supernaturally. I'm gonna use that time, and instead of eating, I'm gonna feed on the Word of God. Instead of, instead of eating a hamburger, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed on the, on the Word of God. It's, instead of, instead of, instead of, you know, 
mindlessly going down social media, reading a bunch of garbage. Uh, instead, I'm gonna spend time talking to God. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about withholding from something that you carnally crave in order to become a robust spiritual man or woman of God. How many of you would say, you know what, for the next, I'm gonna do that. I, 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 I'm committing to do that. I was hoping every hand would go up, I really was. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like, I forgive you, all right? I forgive you guys, I forgive you already. Even without the apology, I forgive you. But how many of you say, you know what, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that. Come on. Lord, together as a church, together as a church, Lord, we grab a hold of the keys for the supernatural, the keys for breakthrough. And Lord, we, we, we take them seriously. And I pray that as we do, Lord, that, that something special would happen, Lord, at our conference. We, we are believing for a prophetic word for this next season. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that as we prepare, Lord, in our hearts, as we begin to develop as, as more robust spiritual people, I pray, God, as we fast, I pray that you would, you, you would begin to set the, set the foundation for what's about to transpire, not only in this conference, but, Lord, in this next season of where you're leading us. So we thank you for that today. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All over this room, is anyone here today, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to leave here without providing an opportunity today. You come here this morning and, and you say, man, uh, that you felt the, the power of God in the worship. I made the statement, you're just one, one, one grab away. The train of his robe fills the temple. The presence of God is here for you today. He wants to touch you. And you say, you know, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I like one. If that's you all of this room, you say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? I'd love to pray with you. Right there, I see that hand. Thank you for that. Anyone else? You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else? All over this room. All over this room. Amen. Taylor, come on, come on down here. I want to pray with you. Come on down here. 